Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. This morning I'll speak to you on, um, on church classics. Well, I've picked the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I think we know the term, we understand what it means. And uh, I want to go into a part of it that will help us be uh, able to not just start well, but finish well. And not just exist, but make a difference. So I've called today's message, The Power of the Secret Place. The Power of the Secret Place. And the reason I say that is that if you want to be a strong believer, it's not about trying harder, it's about getting closer. All right, the whole concept of our victory and our strength not comes by willpower, it comes from His power. And so our way forward is not to try harder, but to draw closer to God. Uh, So we're going to read the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. The first part of this, Jesus explains the attitude towards prayer, and then at the end of it, He goes on and tells us how to pray. So let's read it, and uh, He says, And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, in other words, find your place to pray. All right, it doesn't have to be a closet, it doesn't have to be a cupboard, it can be anywhere that you've got a special spot. In other words, it's where you won't be uh, interrupted, turn your phone off, and meet with God. Because your strength not comes from trying harder, but drawing closer. Go to your room, shut the door, and uh, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you in the open. There it is, right there. There's the connection. Secret place power rewards you in real life. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Understand that the point of prayer is not to pray. The point of prayer is to commune with God. It's not about getting your prayer. It's not about doing your 20-minute prayer session. Reading the Word is not about the Bible. It's not about reading the Bible. I've done my ticket off my Bible reading. No, no, no. What you read the Bible for is to hear what God is saying to you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the words of God. So it's not about you're better off reading one line and having God speak to you than a whole verse and nothing happens. In other words, we don't pray to pray. We pray to draw close to God. We don't read the Word to read the Word. We read the Word hear what God is saying to us. All right? And uh, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask. So understand, when you go to prayer, God already knows what you want. He knows what you need. So when you go to prayer, it's not about changing the mind of God. It's about getting the will of our soul in the right position so God can work in us and through us. So who changes in prayer? Not God, but us. All right? Then he says, all right, this is how we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are all the principles that God, that Jesus is telling us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. See, over and over... The Bible shows us that our strength and victory comes not by trying harder, but by drawing closer. This is Jesus' intention right here on teaching us how to pray. So what we're going to do, we don't have time to look at the whole whole prayer. We're going to go right to the end and look at verse 13 today, where Jesus said, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There is no doubt. 
that we need heaven's power to overcome. There's no doubt that you and I, if we're going to make it against the evil one, resist temptation, stay strong, last the distance, it will take not your willpower, but his power. So we need to understand that heaven's power. And uh, so we need heaven's power to overcome, to resist temptation, to deliver us from the evil one. It's obviously clear to me that we live on a fallen planet. There's no doubt. As I look at the world, it's gone crazy. You know when the Bible uses the word wicked, we tend to think of evil, and yes, wicked does present evil, but before it gets to evil, the word wicked comes from the Latin root word wicker, like wicked, wicker furniture. And if you know what wicker furniture is, it's twisted furniture. So when the Bible speaks about wicked days, it's talking about not just evil, but twisted. Uh, we live in a day where everything has gone strange. Normal people do not think clearly anymore. There is a bewitching going on where people with common sense are no longer finding it that common to have sense. We live on a fallen planet. It amazes me how smart we are, but how fragile we are. Like, I wear a watch now <laughs> that's got a computer in it, all right? And it's that big, a little computer in there. I, I can make a telephone call while I'm surfing. As a matter of fact... I could answer a, tele- a telephone call from my wife in the surf. Not that I would, but I could. All right? So that's how smart we are, but yet crime and, and senseless violence is going crazy. We, we live in a world where we're technologically savvy, but we can't even get on with one another. We, we live in a world where sexual immorality soars, and yet virginity is looked at like a disease. We, we live in a world, listen to this, We live in a world where the Bible, this is just recent, that the words of the Bible seem more of a threat to society than drugs or radical religions. That's the the wicked world we live in. It's twisted. It doesn't make sense. But to be absolutely honest, these are not new problems. Human issues have been right since the fall in the garden. So we're innately fallen. So when people get saved, it's not turning bad people to good. It's turning people that were not godly into godly people. In other words, we've got, we're inherently born in a fallen planet, so we've all got this issue we've got to deal with, and that's why Jesus came. I mean, I think about my kids. They're all older now and, uh, and everything, but, but bringing them up, I, I remember my role as a parent was to teach them not how to be bad. They could do that by themselves. I had to teach them how to be good. You don't sit down and go, you know what, today I'm going to teach you how to be selfish. We just want to balance it all, make sure you know what both sides are. How to say no. We didn't teach you how to say no today. Who knows they do that inherently? The first movement of a child is this one. So from the fall, we're inherent. So the issues we face, this generation, the generation before us, are all based out of the fall of humanity. Think about it. How much easier it is to be bitter than to forgive. To forgive, you've got to make a decision. Bitter comes naturally. Uh, To be angry rather than to be patient and kind. We can go from godly to ungodly to godly within 30 seconds. In other words, we need heaven's power to help us continually. And Jesus said, that's why you must draw closer. Uh, I love it when Peter has to deal with this issue in his heart. The apostle Peter um, is in this moment and Jesus says, who do they say that I am? And Peter responds out of the 12. He goes, you know what? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And And Jesus responds and goes, Peter, you're awesome. You are the rock, man. You are the man. You are the man. You are that man. And, uh, and, uh, And so we see this whole thing happening where Peter's now the legend. Let's have a look at that in verse 18. 
And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Do you know that Peter goes from the rock to get behind me Satan in seven verses? From the top of the food chain to the bottom in seven verses. Uh, verse 21, 23. And, and he said, get be, what do you say to Jesus that he calls you a devil? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Imagine if Pastor Sam got upset with one of you and said, oh, you filthy devil. <laughs> be, uh, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm back to the Baptist. Had enough of this place. <laughs> but within seven verses, <laughs> he goes, from the rock. To get behind me, Satan. You see, we understand there's this war that happens within our soul that we can't build on naturally or get rid of. It's got to be a supernatural thing. We all need heavenly help continually to be the believer that God's called us to be. Not by trying harder, but by growing closer. Do you know, even in heaven, you need heavenly help. There are rules in heaven. Just so you know, there are rules. One of the rules in heaven is this, that you're not allowed to stand on the ducks. Because if you stand on the duck in heaven, they all start quacking and it destroys all the peace. And there are severe consequences for standing on ducks in heaven. The story goes, these three guys made it into heaven. Within two days, one of the guys stood on a duck. Chaos. He woke up the next morning, he was chained to this horrible, nagging, ugly woman. Within a week, another one of the guys stands on a duck. He wakes up the next morning and he is chained to this horrible, nagging, miserable, ugly woman. The third guy never stands on a duck. He wakes up one morning in heaven chained to this charming, stunning, beautiful woman. He, he can't believe it. He turns to her and says, I, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And she looked at him and said, I don't know what you did, but I just stood on a duck. <laughs> we all need heavenly help. We need the power of God to help us be the believer we're meant to be. Look, let's look at it from Paul, the apostle's perspective. Like This is the man that wrote most of the New Testament. And look what he, he tells us about dealing with this situation. Now, wonder Jesus tells us to pray about it. Romans chapter 7, verses 19 through 25. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that is what I practice. Now, this probably only applies to me and Paul. I'm sure there's nobody here with this problem. But we'll go down that road anyway, just for the sake of it, all right? He says, I don't want it. The things I, don't, I end up doing, not, now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I, but it's sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do, in, in the one who wills to do good. For I, look, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body, this body of death? So Paul's got this, uh, this and he's bringing it out to show us that we have this, this, this battle that happens with this. Now, he doesn't leave us there and goes, well, there's no hope. You're stuck with that. He says, no, who will, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. 
It says there is an answer to this, not trying harder, but drawing closer. There's an answer to break through from this, this battle that we continually face to see victory and our ability to resist temptation and the evil one. So then with the mind, I serve the Lord of God. With the flesh, I serve. So Paul makes us very acutely aware that there's a battle going on. We need to understand it and deal with it, and it's through God in Jesus Christ. Then we look at um, Jesus just before he leaves or gets crucified. His last teaching uh, to the disciples happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is what he tells them about resisting temptation. In Matthew 26, verse 41, he said, watch and pray, all right, and we'll get, we'll get on to this a little bit later. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says two things here, watch and pray, be alert and draw near. Yeah. Be alert, understand, and draw near. That's your strength to resist temptation and the evil one. So today, I want to look at four keys that will help us outwork the prayer of deliver us from the evil one, lead us not into temptation. The first thing I know that I need to do is keep my eyes on the big picture. You've you've got to see beyond your natural environment. Understand that life is really short and eternity is really long. So our perspective has got to be not just on our earthly things, but also eternal things. So in that context, We've got to understand we need to make sure as believers on this planet that we need to have a vision for our lives, a reason to be here, a purpose. As a matter of fact, the Bible says without vision, you cast off restraint. Without vision, you cast off restraint. You've got no power. So obviously then with vision, you cast on restraint. You see, so we need to understand that vision is one of God's ways to keep us in a strong direction to make it to the end. Without vision, you'll, you'll cast off restraint. You'll be stuck and, and, and caught up in all sorts of things. So it's important that we start to get a vision for our lives. See, our mission or a vision at City Point Church is to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. Yeah. You know where that came from? That came from, that is my personal mission statement. See, the reason I exist, when I got saved, it wasn't enough for me to be a believer. I needed to have a purpose to be here. And it wasn't about a title. It wasn't about being a pastor or a business person. It was my reason to be here. And my reason to be here is to unmistakably influence my world for good and for God. Once you find your place, your spot, you develop it, you deploy it, you start to realize you're now, that vision is casting on restraint because vision causes you to restrain. Vision determines what you say yes to and what you say no to. So vision's really important. See, God's answer to sin is not law. It's not law. It's not thou shalt not. It's vision. So I, 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 think, law, I think law even tempts us to sin. <laughs> like, I'm driving up here on the highway, and the speed limit is 110 kilometers an hour. That's the law. I know that I can get up to about 115 and be okay. <laughs> See, law tempts you to go past it. It, you can't, it just, it's almost this inherent thing that it draws you towards it and just want to break it. Like, you know, uh, traffic lights, green is to go. Uh, yellow is the same all around the world, speed up. <laughs> and red is to stop. 
but the lights have, the law's no power. What stops you is not the law, it's a vision of the photo in the mail. That's what stops you. So God's answer for sin is not law, it's vision. So if we're going to stay strong in our walk with God, then you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a reason, a purpose to stay strong. And the more you are around doing the Father's business, the less access the devil has into your life. Be assured of that, because vision creates discipline, and discipline creates your yes and your no. The second thing that will keep you strong in this prayer is realize your susceptibility. (laughs) You need to hear this. Realize your susceptibility to temptation and sin. Let me, we are not tempted by things we hate. I am not tempted by sardines, asparagus, or decaf coffee. You can put all that, I'm never tempted by, because you're not tempted by things you hate. (laughs) You're tempted by things you like. (laughs) All right? Let me go a little bit further. Not just what you like, you're tempted by things you were designed for. Everything that becomes evil or wrong is because in the first place God made it for good and the devil's perverted it. And he's taken what was meant for good and turned it into sin. Now understand that if sin wasn't fun, nobody would do it. If sin was like getting a blunt stick and poking yourself in the eye, you'd probably only do it once. Some of you twice. A couple, maybe three times. But you get the idea. All right? So sin is like candy-coated poison. It does taste good. Because we're we're designed for what? Let Let me tell you what you're designed for, and you can process why we're tempted in certain areas. You are designed to feel good, not to have pain in your soul. So what happens is because we've got pain in our soul from abuse or whatever, if we don't find Jesus, we turn to addictions. You see, you are tempted by what you are designed for. You are designed for prosperity. So what happens is you can start to get in areas where you do stuff wrong with money because you get tempted because you were designed to be prosperous. You're designed for sexual relationships and intimacy. You're designed for that. So therefore, it becomes a temptation to us. We're designed to be accepted. So if we're not accepted in the right, by the right people, we end up being accepted by the wrong people. Yeah. See, temptation is, designed, is, is pushing us towards something we were designed for that the enemy has perverted. Yeah, that's so that makes us susceptible. That means we, we can get into trouble here if we don't realize we're susceptible. I think some of the strength, some of the problems Christians have is think, they think they're stronger than they really are. They think they can just resist on their willpower and just say no. And I don't believe that to be true because I, I find biblically even the greatest people in the Bible have fallen into the sin or temptation. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. I can't think of a bigger accolade. If I was to be known, I would love to be known as, that's Pastor Mark, he's a man after God's own heart. But we, fall, we find that even David falls in sin and, and enters into a relationship with Bathsheba. You see, I figure if David can fall, then I need to realize I'm susceptible. Yeah. That there's a possibility that can happen to me. And that becomes my strength now. And understand, the reason David ends up falling with Bathsheba is a lack of vision. 
David lost his vision. See, he was the king. And the Bible says this was the season for the kings to be at war to protect their nation. He lost vision and he was out of place and he ended up in the wrong place for the wrong person. Because without vision, you cast off for a strength. So here we go. I, 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 so if I'm susceptible, my plan is, listen to this, my plan is to make boundaries. I actually make boundaries. If you're on a diet, don't go into the bakery. It's a trick. There's a store in America called Cinnabon. And it's the nicest smelling bun you ever smelt in your life. If you walk into a shopping mall, you, you can't, you are allured. You, wherever you are, you'll smell it and you can't help yourself. They spell it C-I-N, it should be S-I-N, Cinnabon. <laughs> you see, we, we've got to understand we're susceptible, therefore we make boundaries. So the place that you feel tempted in or towards, you've got to pull away from that thing. You've got to give yourself space or room. Sometimes you need to get away from your device, from your computer. You need to step away from it. Somebody needs to step away from the secretary at work because you're getting too close. Somebody needs to step away from the pool guy. Step back. Make a boundary. So if you want to last the distance, watch. Be alert. All right? Then pray. Be alert and pray. Set boundaries. I remember a couple of teenagers, a boy and a girl, they just started going out together and they were telling me how they found Jesus. And they started, they said, yeah, we're praying together alone. I said, yeah, I don't think that's a really good idea. And they said, no, we love Jesus. (laughs) And I said, if that was all we needed, then I wouldn't have a job. No one would need a pastor if the loving Jesus solved all our problems. I, I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, there's no boundaries there. You'll start with prayer, then it'll be the laying on of hands, then <laughs> a holy kiss. Set boundaries. We have all propensities in certain areas. We all have different ones. Some people like sardines. My wife eats them in front of me. I have to go outside because it smells like cat food. So we all have propensities and therefore we're susceptible to those propensities. So you need to know them and make room, give space, set boundaries. Third thing, be wise. In other words, be aware Be alert. The Bible says, your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There is an enemy out there trying to take you out. And don't don't take this too personally. He doesn't hate you as much as he hates the mission God has for you. Your purpose is more important to the devil than you are. And if he wants to take you out, he pulls away your purpose. That's why he wants to take you out, not just to get rid of you, but he takes the mission away. You see, have you ever considered why we're all born in this day and live in this country? Out of all the thousands of years we could have been born in, all the countries in the world we could have been born in, here we are. The reason that is that God puts in every one of us something from heaven, a heavenly treasure that needs to be delivered to this generation. That's why we're here and now. In this time, wasn't accidental. Before we were born, God designed us for not no works, not for evil, but for good works. 
So who got this? So the enemy wants to take us out because he destroys the mission that God has for you. So we need to be aware of the ambushes, the plots against us, and understand that he is out to get us. You know, be wise. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the answer to the unforeseen enemies of your future. If you use wisdom now, so many of your problems in your future will go away. What wisdom does is it considers options and considers outcomes. It considers things. The Bible said God would renew our mind, not remove it. Otherwise, we're not supposed to be stupid people. We're to use wisdom. Wisdom looks at outcomes. And Like I was playing, in, playing golf in cans a couple of years ago. When you play golf in cans, you don't go looking for your lost golf balls because there are already crocodile slides on the golf course. So you leave your lost balls to the crocodiles. That's wisdom. Wisdom considers options and outcomes. All right? So we need to understand, we are both faith and wisdom people. Not either or, both. All right? So it's important that we understand. Wisdom is being vigilant, being alert. Considers the ambushes, the possibility of being taken out, and then makes good choices. And the last thing is the submit to resist principle. Submit and resist principle. Let's read James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To get the devil to flee from you, you've got to submit and resist. Not just resist, but submit and resist. Submit is the power, resist is the action. It's like going hunting with a rifle. There's two components to it. You have ammunition that goes in the rifle. That's the power. The action is to fire the rifle. It's no use firing the rifle. There's no ammunition in it. There's no use resisting the devil unless you're submitted first. So it's important we understand that we need to have our strength to resist the devil. And I find too many believers are trying to resist and not seeing their breakthrough because they've not submitted. No, no, Mark, no, no. I've given my life to Jesus. I know you... But what we do subconsciously is we give our life to Jesus but we keep parts of it (laughs) you know it might be that disappointment we had we hold on to that part or that anger we just hold we give you my life it can be finances people can't give to God God I give you my eternity but no not my wallet you see we hold on to areas of our life that we don't submit and listen to this The only area the devil has access into your life is the unsubmitted areas. That's where he gets in. Not everywhere. We're strong in most things. It's not as if we're bad people here, like we've got this list of horrible things. Like Not many of you sold drugs in the car park this morning. Anyway, um, remember to tithe. Um, We don't have lists, but there are areas in our life that we've not submitted. We, we hold on for all sorts of reasons. And the only area the devil can get in is the unsubmitted area. So if you want to see him flee, then we've got to not just resist. That's the action. We've got to submit first. I, I, I look at the story of one of Jesus' closest friends, Judas. Judas 
loved Jesus. He, he gave up his whole life to follow him. He, 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 didn't, they didn't, he didn't hate Jesus, he loved Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was one of Jesus' best friends. The trouble was that as Judas, Judas followed Jesus, he'd kept a part of his life that he never submitted to Jesus. He'd hold, he, held, he held on to something. And it didn't become evident straight away because he thought that Jesus was going to be the king of Israel and was going to set up a kingdom on the earth, a natural kingdom. And he thought he would be the treasurer over all the lands. See, there was this part of him that concerned wealth and fame that did not hand it on or submitted to Jesus. It held it. And then he started to realize, hang on, Jesus isn't going to be the king in a natural way. He's not going to set up a natural kingdom. I'm never going to be the treasurer of Israel. He lost vision and unrestraint came around his life. And because that area wasn't submitted to Jesus, he couldn't resist the devil. And that was the place the devil took him out on. Let's have a read in Luke 22. Then Satan entered Judas. He entered him, not, not possessed, not like he was possessed. He entered him in that unsubmitted area. He entered because he'd lost vision. He'd lost focus. He'd lost his plan. He was now in a place where this part of him, he had no power to resist anymore because he hadn't submitted wealth and finance and power and prestige to God. He'd held on to that part. How do we know that? Well, look, let's read. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred. Why? Because he'd lost his vision with the priest in campaigns. How he might betray his very best friend. Why did he betray him? And they were glad and they agreed to give him his money. So the reason he sells out his best friend is because he had not submitted one area of his life that the devil had access on. And took him out. And this is not, a, not to condemn us, this is to make us aware that we need to continually look at our lives and make some adjustments. You go, all right, what are, the, what are the unsubmitted areas? What are the areas that I feel most tempted in? What are the things? And God's not here to condemn us, He's here to save us. This is not to make us feel terrible, this is to say, hey, He wants to make sure you make it to the end. God is not a cosmic wet blanket trying to stop everybody's fun. He says, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. All we need to know is submit and then resist. Don't forget the resist part, right? You've got you to have some holy aggression. Yeah. You know, there's one scripture in the Bible I love, and it says you can be angry and sin not. And that's when we turn our anger against the evil one. Yeah. Be angry and sin not. Have holy aggression. Like, don't be passive about the enemy's tactics against you. If somebody come up to your front yard with a truck full of rubbish and trash and smelling garbage and dumped it on your front yard, what are you going to do? You're looking out the window going, well, that's a bit of a shame. No, there'd be affirmative action taken. You would go out and deal with that and then ask for forgiveness later. We need to make sure that when the devil turns up and dumps all over our family, our business, our lives, we don't just put up with it. And say, that's a bit of a shame. No, no, have holy aggression. Submit, then resist. Stand strong. When you've done all, stand. Pray until. Don't put up with the rubbish the enemy wants to put on your life. 
And then Jesus finishes that last bit of that prayer off and he says, yours is the power, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. So he, he tells us this whole part about resisting temptation and delivering evil. And he says, remember this, it's not about trying harder, it's about drawing closer. He is the power. He is the kingdom. He is the glory. He's your resource. He's your answer. Don't stand strong on your own. Stand strong in Him. Today, there's power in the secret place. Power is in the secret place. And God will reward you in the open place. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, Congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.